Welcome to Success Fundamentals, hosted by myself, Chris Sykes, and my co-host, Brian Gosek. We are on a mission to seek out some of the most successful people in our network that have been able to define what success means to them so you can draw the map of your own path and take your first steps. We hope you enjoyed today's episode to get one step closer to your success goals. Starting a business is exciting. And one of the fundamentals of starting a business is making sure you have the proper legal structure. But legal structure only takes you so far. You want to make sure that your personal assets are protected. And that's where Corporate Direct comes in. Getting started is easy. First, you tell them about your business or investment. Second, they do a business name check. Third, they file the paperwork. And fourth, you receive the documents and you're official. To get $100 off your business setup, go to successfundamentals.com. Click on the Corporate Direct link. When the information form asks, where did you hear about us? Type in Success Fundamentals and they will take it from there. Corporate Direct, asset protection done right. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Success Fundamentals podcast, where we give you the information you need to get to the top of your respective industries. I'm Brian Goldsack. Chris Sykes is not going to be joining us today. He is taking care of some business out on Long Island, but we are joined today by Paul Farrell. Paul is the founder and CEO of Nehemiah Security. He was the former CEO of Moreover Technologies, and he used to work as the Senior Vice President of America Online. How are you today, Paul? I'm good. How are you, Brian? I'm doing fine. So, uh, I know you're doing a lot of things now, but I kind of want to start with America Online. And the reason I want to start with America Online is because I feel like the entirety of my social life when I was in middle school and high school took place on AOL Instant Messenger. Absolutely. In fact, the fact you know your your message is kind of timely because somebody asked me recently on the 20 year anniversary of 9/11, what were you doing? And I had stayed, I was always on flights to the West Coast on Monday or Tuesday morning, but I had stayed behind because it's one of those back to school nights, you know, when the kids go back to school, the parents come in. And I always attended those. So instead of being on a flight to the West Coast, which is very fortunate, I was in the office. And of course, uh, the events devastating, sad, right? But what I realized as the day went on is that one of the few messaging platforms that were still open because cell phones weren't working was instant messaging. So I was taking messages from people and, and, and sending messages, pivoting, trying to help them connect with loved ones and stuff or people they want to know the status of. And about three o'clock, my wife says, why are you coming home? I says, well, I guess, you know, cause she wanted me home. Of course, can't, can't, you know, can't blame her for that one. Um, but that was what six hours after the event, you know, I was still there doing that because that messaging platform, um, you know, I'm still a, a, an email subscriber. I don't use this in messaging anymore, but that was the foundation of a, a lot of the chats and stuff that go on today. A very special application. I remember, I remember that I would go on Yahoo chats, but then AOL instant messenger popped up and, Basically, you would go to school and then you would go home and it was the social aspect of school all on AOL, Instant Messenger. Yeah. Eh? And it's on hierarchy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great place. I mean, you learn innovation. And by the way, we were all very, very blessed to be there. Um, you know, a lot of people, 
had a toss up at the time. They could go to work for a more established firm or for this firm out in, you know, AOL. And they, some of us choose AOL, some of us didn't. It was just a pure blessing from God that we were there. I started to, uh, in selling the dial-up network during the day to enterprises and then ended up in interactive marketing as a senior vice president after a while, um, working with a lot of the big brands for them to be able to advertise on AOL. Uh, it was a great experience. A bunch of friends, even to this day, that there's groups and messages going on for former AOLers and stuff. It's really neat. So, so why don't you take us back? Why don't you take us back to the beginning of of your career? Number one, what got you interested in technology? And then, can you kind of give us uh, like a brief history of of your career path uh, after that interest to your first career and where you are now? Yeah. Well. Um, another thing, it was another blessing from God. In 1977, growing up in Oswego, New York, which we just talked about, way upstate New York, 160 inches of snow a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and my father had sons. That's why he didn't need a, a snowblower, right? <laughs> um, you know, I just, I'm going to college, first generation in the family to go to college. And um, I decide to take a sixth course in uh, learning how to program. And it had nothing to do with my major. I never got credits for programming course or not. So I'm paying for college myself. I'm adding now, you know, 20% more expense because I'm taking one extra course. It's all coming out of my pocket. And I did that for eight semesters, right? So you get eight courses as a course you go through a four-year program. And when I got out of college, I, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. I had two job offers, one for uh, was going to work for a, a bank in Buffalo, New York, and it was you know $19,600 and change, or I could program for 19680 Now, being a finance major with this concentration in computer courses and loving you know coding, that's what got me launched into the career. So I did that for a lot, uh, while. I, my first job out of school was... Um, helping uh, people in a, a union carbide, which is a big corporation, um, get an information at mainframes, which is like I could tell lots of stories that a lot of the people today that I work with, young guys and stuff programmers have no idea. You know, when we used to have to request tape drives to be loaded and, and <laughs> batch processing, if you made a mistake, you had to wait two or three more hours to support your pro you know, submit your programming. But I went on from that to... Um, to consulting uh, for Deloitte, and then I worked for a bunch of years selling uh, large computer systems to auto dealers. And then uh, after that, a bunch of startups. And then, um, and then uh, my wife just willed me into the AOL job. She was praying for me and on her knees because I was working out of state. I was traveling a lot. Um, firms that we, she couldn't remember the name of that the health benefits weren't very good, right? You work with a bunch of startups, you don't get benefits. And so she it's insisted true, yeah. that I take the interview and everything at AOL and was a main driver for, for me ending up there, uh, which was a blessing. And then after that, uh, I got out, I got connected to uh, the, the chairman who I work for now, who knows how to run software firms. And we, um, you know, started a, an adventure of, of since 2004 of, you know, a bunch of different firms. Um, and we've been really, really blessed and fortunate that we bought and sold and turned things around and made money along the way. 
Hmm. So your, your description of uh, starting in the 70s leading up until today makes me think, what, what was it like back then in the infancy of personal computers, uh, really in the infancy of the Internet? Uh, was there like a buzz in the air that this might oh, be something big? Most definitely, you can tell what was happening. I mean, we got excited. I mean, I got the job at AOL because I the guy next to me on a on a plane from LA, a four o'clock plane from LA was going to get back to Dulles around uh, Washington D.C. For your users who don't know the airports, um, around midnight, I saw him doing three attachments, and I'm like, hey, I just want to. I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I am not a big. Um, you know, where I'm in AOL all the time, but I love the application. Just tell me where, how I can add three, you know, three attachments to an email so I can send it. And he said, well, this is the next product. It's called Casablanca. His name was David Gang. He's the one who eventually hired me in there to AOL. But, you know, the, the place was growing. I mean, there's a lot of innovative stuff happening, right? Um, and I just happened to be the guy that um, eventually, you know, I was on the business side, commercial applications all the time. And they make fun of me because I was wearing a shirt and tie and a suit, you know, because I was going to talk to guys in Wall Street and other places that that's what they wore. And so that's what I was going to wear. But, yeah, there was a buzz. You know, uh, Walter uh, Mossberg used to write a lot for The Wall Street Journal. He was hanging out in the cafeteria a lot, just talking to people. Um, Really? Steve Steve Case ate with the rest of us. Mm -hmm. He ate in the cafeteria. You could see him. Very interesting. In the early days. I mean, you know, it was... It was a fun place to work for because it was innovative and on the edge. So in an industry where it is, I mean, even since the 70s until today, technology is a, is a rapidly growing, ever-changing industry. Uh, how did you maintain focus or, or what, or what uh, did you look for in a company where you said, hey, this is where I want to put forth my efforts. Since it is such a big playing field, there's so many different aspects of technology that you can go. Uh, what led you into, because now you're in security, correct? Yeah, cybersecurity was the last one, and now I'm making investments in cybersecurity and other fields. Um, it's always about innovation, right? right? I mean, innovation innovation in terms of, of what the products you're looking at, are they innovative? Have they figured out if they figured out their not just that they're a good product, but what it does for the the in my case always commercial application, what it does for the corporation, that's key. But it's also people. People, I would say, is the number one thing that 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 you need to be successful. Uh, people, people, and more people, and it's about helping people meet their dreams and aspirations. You know, I mean, um, you know, they want a stable environment. They want to be heard. They, you know, when they have their, you know, um, concerns or even when they want to make suggestions, but it's all about people. Um, people are the number one thing we should concentrate. It's the one, the thing that makes difference between mediocre and great firms and, and super firms. It's, it's people management. Um, and so you learn to have relationships with people and how to grow them and to then maintain them over time. I mean, uh, to your I will tell um, all your listeners, you know, to this day, uh, every week I'll write down three or four names of people that that I've done business with over the years, but I probably haven't talked to in a year. And I'll text them, call them, 
send them an email, just something to let them know that, you know, I'm still thinking about them, still would like to find out if they're and their families are doing well and stuff like that. You're the, the second person I've spoken to in the cybersecurity industry that said the same exact thing, that, that it all comes down to people. And the example he gave was uh, if, I don't know, I think it was Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson got together and said, hey, we're making a company. Basically, just those people alone, you would say, I don't know what they're making. I don't care what they're making. I know those people. And I know that when they put their mind to something, things get done. I want to invest in it. Now, those are extreme examples. But I think if you if you kind of dilute that down to, to, to smaller teams of maybe people that aren't so well known, the, the same concept applies. Yeah. And, you know, we look for certain qualities in our employees. Um, uh, that curiosity uh, to learn, quick learners, right? Um, um, uh, adaptive minds, uh, minds that don't grab onto what they did yesterday because we just learned that yesterday, but today we found out a better way. So we're going to let that go and do it again. You know, uh, those were some of the things you would look for. And then I always ask, I mean, you'll laugh, but I used to, besides all the technical skills, I used to ask one really, really important question to me was, can, can you take teasing? Because out there in the bullpen, uh, even I'm going to get teased. And so, uh, unless you um, unless you can take teasing, um, don't come here because we that we act like a big family, right? And a big family, we tease each another and stuff like that. And some people don't like that. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you up front about what, what we're like. You know, we we're a big family. And I guess it's that creating that family culture that really means a big difference in the long run. But, you know, so, like so on that, twin sons, sure, I'm sure they teach you, you know, they're now. I mean, you know, right? Yeah, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> it's absolutely Hang true. Hang on. <laughs> you were going to ask him. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, no, it's okay. So, so on that on that note, though, about personality attributes that that you look for in employees. Uh, so this is the Success Fundamentals podcast. So we're always curious about attributes that uh, our guests uh, perceive to be attributes that will eventually lead you to success. So for those people that were real, like shining stars in your in your past, people that maybe started at the lower ranks, but really escalated fast and became extraordinarily successful, whatever that means. Uh, did you notice any similarities between them? Yeah, I mean, um, this, I've already mentioned the ability to learn quickly and to not to be stuck in what I learned yesterday, and that's got to be the best way. I mean, that's very key, flexibility in terms of being adaptive going forward. Um, you know, and, um, you know, and some people can't, are not really good at talking, right? So, like we used to give, um, I mean, we, for many, many years, and gave uh, testing, and testing would tell us, you know, about quickness to learn, patent recognition, you know, in people. But also it would come out with a score of how well, especially in the programming area, how well these people were, uh, uh, you know, could bring on programming and programming concepts. And I, I can remember one gentleman in Baton who uh, had an unbelievable score, one of the highest all time. Let's say hundreds of thousands of people have been through this test and he's in the top 2%. Wow. Right. 
and but he's very shy at the time, right? And the dev team goes, well, we can't even, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to hire this guy. And he became a superstar and still is a superstar today. And um, But it's also when you're CEO, seeing that in a person, right? And overriding what everybody else is saying sometimes and saying, no, 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 we're going to give this person a shot. Um, you know, we're going to try and make it happen. I think I would also say to your organizations, hire college people. How do college people get started? They need internships in your firms. And, you know, I pay all my uh, people. I think we pay $20 an hour for uh, for college interns because they got to pay for school like I paid for school. Right. right Maybe right. That's some of my own pain. But how are you going to learn? And how? And by the way, they bring in a new set of ideas from a new set of generations. Um, and, you know, we have to be growing and adapting all the time. So I think there, you know, some of these things that you can do um, will you know, move you more towards an innovative corp, uh, organization that's innovating, adapting, and changing. And sometimes, you know, it's just a slight correction on where you're going between mediocrity and success. So, so I'm hearing a general theme of flexibility in in your idea of um, what it takes to be successful. And w- when when you say that. Uh, I mean, it makes sense in your in the technology industry because, as you said, things are always changing. So, you, if you're not flexible and you know you're still programming in DOS when everyone else is using, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but uh, does that flexibility uh, go deeper than just the skill set? Perhaps. Uh, yeah, it- I, I, you know, one thing that I was thinking about here as you were talking, one of my best performing teams of all time was the the most diverse team I've ever had reporting to me, hmm. you know, diverse mixture of, of male and females from different cultures, uh, grew up in different continents, even in, wow. in the world. Um, I believe diversity is, 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 a, is a key thing because when we're brainstorming in something, they look at it differently. Right. I mean, you know, uh, because they're not, brought up, maybe they're brought up in an Eastern culture as opposed to a Western culture. And so they would ask questions differently or perceive things differently. And that team in, at AOL was probably my highest performing team because of the uniqueness each of them brought to the table. I mean, I don't know if this, if it was too long ago, but do you have any stories where you, you can recall that diversity actually transpiring in front of you that, that led to some positive outcome? Um, well, I think I wouldn't say just that. And this is when you look at diversity over the years, even if you just look at a female perspective versus a male perspective, right? Um, they're going to bring a difference of opinion that you need to listen to um, because, you know, you know, stereotypical stuff that people talk about people is true, right? I mean, I know sometimes it's not politically acceptable to talk about any of this stuff today, but hey, we are we are way the way we are, but I even think at just a base level, having uh, you know female people now in certain industries, it's tough. I mean, you know, you can look back, and uh, I would say that my teams weren't as diverse as they could have been because you, when you're in a startup, you find a qualified person, you hire them, and and you know you're not like in a big corporation where you get to you know have a lot of choices sometimes, but as, as time's gone on, I really, really believe 
and, and more diversity, um, giving more people a chance um, where you can, uh, if you can, in your positions of hiring, I think it'll, it'll add to your value overall, especially where these people are participating in problem solving um, situations. You get a great team that way because they look at it differently. So I, I want to take a, a pivot in this discussion because um, you know I, I looked you up. We spoke a little bit before we started recording, yeah. and, and you told me that um, that your faith plays a large component into uh, your worldview, your perception of success, etc. So um, so uh, we'll start generally, but how would you articulate the role faith has played in your life? Well, you know. We all come from different faith backgrounds, but when people meet you, they got they got to know where you stand in terms of integrity. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Um, I mean, those are some really fundamental stuff that they understand, and they understand you care about them. Um, you know, some of the correspondence that I've gotten over the years from employees was that that we opened up a whole new world to them in that that way. Just by, you know, just by stopping. I mean, we used to stop and say grace over every corporate meal. Wow. Right. I mean, just thank you, God. Right. Thank you, God, for providing this meal today. And by the way, a lot of our corporate culture, we we did it around the table. I mean, we would buy lunch two, three times a week. We celebrated everybody's birthday. We would get a cake of their choice. I mean, you know, we were together a lot talking. And that's important, too. Um, that's very, very important. But uh, and then for me personally, so that's the social aspect. And then, you know, walk the walk, talk to talk. People got to know you're authentic. Right. Um, and, and I think it also includes that confessing when you made a mistake. You know, you got to be transparent. I messed up. You're all human. We mess up. CEOs, we have our time. And I learned maybe I'm better at it today than I was 10 years ago for sure. But, you know, you've got to be able to say I made a mistake. That was that one's on me. Uh, you know, I made a mistake. Hmm. I think that that is a really key one. And then for me personally, um, um, you know, my last partner had the same same Christian perspective as I have. And we would pray for every employee by name every week. And it, we had up to like 90 something employees one time. But we would pray for them by name. And we didn't know specifics, but we could figure stuff out. You know, um, you know, a young couple trying to have a baby, maybe, or a person more approaching retirement, what their needs are. Um, those are all really critical. And you can just hold them up by name or I can say, Brian Goldsack, Lord, bless him today. Right. He's got two kids. Like, I'm sure. I mean, I could like you. I use your example Two, uh, you, only, you have two four year boys. Uh, I'm assuming probably your wife and works, too. Right. Sure, you yeah. got a kid at home. Bring him peace, Lord. Get him rest. You know. Um, you I know. can use it. I can use it. Yeah. I hope that prayer. I can. I hope that prayer is answered, Paul. Because yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty simple. <laughs> just using you as an example. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just met moments ago, but I could tell. You know, you you want to do the right thing. You have your hearts in the right place, um, and you just um, follow that lead. You know the. You know, and so I think it's important. Thank you for sharing that with, with me, welcome. but also the listeners, uh, because uh, we've had a few a few guests share their their views on faith and the impact that it's had. And, uh, 
and and it's and I agree. I do think it's something important. And and thank you for being open uh, with me about that. Um, so on that same general uh, idea, one of the questions, or really two questions, that we tend to ask our guests on this show that kind of do have certain faith components uh, to it is number one: what is your overall perception of money? And number two. What role does the idea of power play in your view of success? Um, well, I mean, they're, too, they're overlapped, as I hear that. These are great questions. Um, you work for money, right? I mean, I started out after I did programming. I went into sales and, and was very good at that. Um, but over time... Um, you know, Lynn and I, that's my wife's name, uh, we give away 50 per, every time we've got a big payday, which has been more than we blessed four or five times, six times, maybe more. Uh, um, we give away 50% after tax, put them in a, in a donor advised fund and give it away from there. Because at the time, you can't figure out how to give that much away. Hmm. So we put it in this thing called a donor advised fund and donor advised fund will let you set it aside and spend it over the next few years as you want. Um, and that's key to us because we've been able to support tons and tons of different things. Um, the other way is also important to us is we don't need to have our name on a wall or anything like that. We're, we're rather sit in the back. We, the name of the, of, of our, Donor advice fund is what goes on. The checks get received, and we're okay. We're we're more than okay. Um, you know, I think it's to all your listeners out there. It's also important that you know you can write checks all day long, but you can't fake showing up. You can fake caring. You can't fake showing up. As a good friend of mine, Jerry Leishman, always says, um, and you know, like a couple of things that all during COVID, we distributed food out and. Uh, one of the poorer sections of DC, right? Um, I'm uh, I'm on an anti-human trafficking board. We did a buyer outreach where we actually show up in the parking lots and talk to the buyers as they're going in. Um, you you gotta do something. I mean, writing checks doesn't absolve you from also just doing something yourself. Um, and so I would encourage all your listeners to do both because um, it's probably more valuable in a lot of organizations for people to show up then they got people to write the checks. They don't have enough people to show up. So whatever it is, whatever your your local church, a synagogue, temple, whatever, you, wherever you're going, um, show up and help people. Um, you know, show up and and and, and work. And uh, the needs are all over the place uh, in America today, in the world, as a matter of fact. But you can show up, and that's what I would encourage greatly. Um, and I guess this all comes back down to uh, power. I was, I was listening to, uh, I, I, I really, my trainer who I've had for 20 years is currently about an hour away from me. I see him twice a week, but I love going because I tee up podcasts in the car, hmm. podcasts, sermons, books on tape. And I make some of those telephone calls that are hard to get scheduled, right? Um I was listening to a podcast this morning. It was about a very successful person. And because he was talented and successful in today's internet age and stuff like that, um, his success quickly 
outgrew his character. Hmm. And so it, it happened up like, like in, in this particular case, it happened up dissolving everything that was built over a decade. But, you you know, characters develop over time. And one of your character traits is you, you need to try and be humble. Right. Um, you know, as a CEO, you're just the person at the top. All those other people underneath you are doing the work. Right. Uh, and that's that's really key to understand. It's not just you. You might be a great salesperson or a great sales lady or whatever. But, it you know, you need people, um, you know, and I, I guess, you know, so one of the things why we called the last firm Nehemiah was right. Um, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. We pray as the executive staff. No, everybody wasn't Christian in our organization, and that's fantastic. You know, that's great for our diversity and other stuff. Um, but uh, the other thing about him is Nehemiah had a heart for his homeland, and he wanted to build a wall of protection around Jerusalem, which is a, a city in the Bible. And so we wanted to add a heart for our customers and wanted to help them protect themselves from a cybersecurity way. But the other two uh, mm -hmm. lessons that we take from Nehemiah, and there's many more, is – uh, when they were rebuilding the wall, the, the robbers or marauders kept on coming in. And so if you and I were neighbors, Brian, you would guard the wall I built. And then we would turn around and I would build the wall where you built. And we also did it for the wall in front of our house. Right. And that's that teamwork thing, how we need everybody and everybody taking care of their, like in an organization, accounts payable, accounts receivable, you know, accounting, um, customer support, development, operations, getting, you know, just product from one place to another, installation, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's got to do the job in front of them. And so everybody in an organization is valuable. Um, some get paid more money or not, but we're all equally valuable. So that's an important thing to keep in mind as you're a CEO and you're trying to think through some of these stuff um, is, you know, Yes, and it, it takes daily. I mean, my best days is where, where I spend my first hour. You know, of course, it's come out now in the Bible. So I spend my first hour in the Bible every day. And that made me a better CEO because it kept me humble. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Um, you know, not that I don't uh, didn't have to confess being proud at times or doing something that I wasn't that you know, pride got to me. It was raw human. Yes. But. It's doing those things. You know, I two things I did every day was an hour of Bible study and an hour of uh, workout, and then I go to work. So, obviously, I was uh, get up in the wee hours in the morning because you still got to work 8 to 12 hours a day. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, your mornings consisted of nurturing the body and spirit. So, your mind, the remainder of the day, was in a good place. If I, yeah, I mean, and I think that's important. So people do, a lot of people do what that you got to have that and don't cut it off. I mean, now I'm learning that I, I cheated sleep way too bad. I'm, you know, um, so <laughs> I'm, I've been in the monitoring my sleep and where I used to get four, maybe five hours a night. Now I'm trying to get like seven hours a night, seven, seven, 15. And I monitor it. Um, it's really, really important. But um, bottom line is, is it's a combination of a bunch of things you got to do to keep yourself in that position, not just one thing. Hmm. So one thing I want to touch on, because this is the Success Fundamentals podcast, 
is what is your vision or view of success? What does success mean to you? Oh, I can tell you, I can point to you those things I talked about. When I get cards and letters from employees, uh, when you see a, a comment on LinkedIn about, um, yes, well-deserved, and he's been doing this kind of stuff for years. I just saw one recently about another thing that I had done. Those are, that's my definition of success. I mean, sure. I mean, I've been blessed financially beyond even with giving stuff away. I mean, I've been very, very blessed that way. But the thing that that really is amazing is, um, you know, when you have those moments or yesterday morning, um, somebody had reached out on LinkedIn and asked for help. And I spent 45 minutes talking to them and then uh, I was able to pray for this lady. And that was amazing to me that I had that privilege to, to encourage her. And, you know, um, she was um, blown away by what was said and all that, but that's not it. It's I get the privilege to do this. Um, and that's what you got to see. There's a privilege. It's not me personally. It's God working through me. And I think that's, that's key, you know, that's that's success. Success is not having ten houses. Success is, you know, really. Um, if you if you ever did, the, if it, maybe if your people have read uh, Halftime by Buford, which is this book uh, about when you're been to had a successful career and you're getting into your forties and fifties and you have a chance to redefine yourself, what do you want? Then he always talks about well, what's on your tombstone? And I simply want one thing, one thing only. He was a godly man, you know to my family, to my children, to my friends, to my community. That's what makes a difference. That's beautiful. No, thank you. Paul, thank you. That was really, it was profound. And, and uh, I believe our listeners would agree and got a lot out of that. What's going to be on your tombstone? I, I actually thought about that frequently over this past. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe I turn the tables and start interviewing you. Yeah. Or well, I was thinking about, uh, I was doing a lot of reading on, you know, individuality and gaining wealth and being like fiercely independent, which there's nothing inherently wrong with all of those things that I just said. Um, but then I started to think to myself, uh, would I want on my tombstone that he was very <laughs> fierce, independent and wealthy? Or would I want to be known as a kind, generous man and a man that was good to his family and his friends and his community. Hey, and by the way, you don't have to work any further than your family. Your two sons will, will, will be the mouthpiece of that. I mean, you know, the, the good thing about kids is they have, uh, they have great doses for genuineness. And, um, I encourage all the listeners out there to, you know, listen to their children. Um, my children have done great, uh, even in this last couple of years have helped me transform and mold myself into a better person. I could, I could see that. I could see that because you end up thinking to yourself, uh, is there anything that I'm doing that might uh, be an example to my children that I wouldn't want them to possess? Is, is there anything? That's, that <laughs> that's one thing to do. But then again, you know, they, you know, like uh, my son started his own impact investing firm. And, wow. you know, up to this point in time, I've always just given money away. 
And it opened, I mean, this is a very small thing, but it opened me to a new perspective that I'll give money away and I can get it back, that I can give it away again. You know, um, and I, you know, he worked beside me for four years at Nehemiah and we were, we bought and sold a number of firms and he learned the trade. And now he's out there helping entrepreneurs get going that have a dream and an idea that might not know all the things he knows. And he's only 29 and he's doing that. And my daughter has a corporate role and she's doing, you know, um, has, you know, talking to me and stuff, the ideas and things that she comes up with in her day-to-day job are, are inspiring as well. So can you elaborate on that? And this might tie into the part of the discussion where we talk about your, your current work. So you said you, you're now in a position where at one time you would give away, but now you're at the point where you're giving away, getting it back, and then giving it away again. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I mean, in terms of, of donation, it's pretty easy. I would, you know, you write a check to some place and you expect to get the principal back. When you get the principal back, you reinvest it in the same place or another place. But, but also, um, I think I'm going to transition to what I'm doing now is the name of the new company is called Pater Holdings, P-A-T-E-R, which is father in Latin. Hmm. And it's where I believe my next role is, is not working 70 hours a, a week in my own job but working alongside CEOs and entrepreneurs to help them do their job. So um, we make investments in firms and then I spend time actually with the CEO or with the staff, helping them grow the company and do, you know, uh, give them my input on certain things like contracts or growth strategies, or should we outsource this, do this, do that? What have you seen? So I get to draw on my, you know, 40, years of experience uh, and bring it to the table for them. Um, And even, you know, um, I've been, as I said, I do this for people I meet. I do this for my investments. I I probably do a lot more for the people I've invested because I have a financial obligation to, you know, the company and the family office I work for to, to make sure those projects are successful as well. Um, And so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm, um, I'm at, I'm 62. If you haven't figured out, if I went to college in 77, I'm 62. Um, I feel I'm in the best shape of my life. I probably got two or three, at least two or three more successes in me in terms of, you know, building something up or shepherding it up and having it sold and doing it again. Um, it's perspective that I have. And I've already had more than my fair share at four or five, depending on how you count. It doesn't matter. It's just keep on doing the same thing. I mean, we're, we were built to work. I think everybody was built to work. We're all built to contribute. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a little bit more time for doing some of my other passions, like riding my bike and working out, doing, you know, meeting with people uh, and volunteering than I did 20 years ago when I had a young family and was growing up. But also I'm dedicating more of my time to just – mentoring people. Hmm. Hmm. You're actually making me think of, of a lecture that I was listening to that um, very much ties into uh, some of the some of the things that we were discussing about faith. And they said that basically in Genesis, God took void and chaos and took that and turned it into order. Right. Uh-huh. And as, as people, we are all called to take the opportunities that present themselves in front of us 
and make something of those opportunities. Um, so it, it really does sound like your entire life and career path was just a perpetual uh, process of shifting from one opportunity to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And, and here you are where you're at a, a point with, uh, is it pronounced Patter Holdings? Yeah, Patter, that's the next company. Uh, you know, um, and I also want to say I've been extremely blessed, but we all have this opportunity in our daily lives. You know, as you walk down the street, the smile of somebody that's walking by you, the, that makes a difference in their lives. Say hello to them. Or you see somebody needs help, stop and help them. You know, um, I, I, find me, I live in an area close to D.C. We have a lot of homeless people. Ask them their names. And when you see them, just say, hello, Tom, or hello, whatever. It, it makes a difference in their day that you just recognize them as a person. I mean, so I think we all could do little things. I mean, I've been, I'm at a different level where I could, you know, invest in firms and I'm, it's very blessed to be that way. But all of us in our daily lives have an opportunity to do similar type things into our particular world, into our particular community, into our particular job, um, you know, doing the job as best you can, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, um, you know, getting up and going to work every day. I mean, that's something that my father showed me. He, you know, my father couldn't hear. He had two jobs because he was a, a, a he had a, a burgeoning career and he lost it all when he lost his hearing in his mid twenties. Hmm. So, um, so, but he always went to work and he went to work two jobs. In fact, he died of the heart attack in the job in the driveway, dusting the snow off his car going to a second job in 1979. Wow. So, so, but he showed me about, you know, about being faithful to the family, doing what you can working. And so I encourage all your listeners out there. It, you know, we all like to look at stories like me, success stories and stuff and hear what I have to say, but just apply them in your daily life. And it'll make you more successful. Thank you. Thank you. So Paul, as we, as we, Wrap it up. Let's say people are, are, are moved by what you said today and they said, I want to meet this Paul guy uh, or I have a company that I want to talk to Paul about that is making big changes. How do people find you? How do, uh, how the do best way is to uh, send me a LinkedIn message. Um, I'm a little backed up. I've just did something and I've got four or five people to talk to, but I'll get to you. Um, you know, uh, send me a LinkedIn message and you, you have my LinkedIn address. I'll put it out on the, with the podcast and that's the easiest way. Um, but just, I'm going to try and get to you when I can. I will get to everybody. Um, but, uh, when I can, and as I said, there's, there's people that I've done that recently with where, you know, I'm trying to sell my firm, my family firm, and I'm having these challenges. What do you think? Hmm. That's easy to do. You're helping people. Excellent. And, and listeners, as we always do, we will have um, information to connect with Paul's LinkedIn account in the show notes today. Uh, so, Paul, I want to thank you again. Oh, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. This one is you've got me to talk about a lot of things that are on my heart. And I really appreciate that. It was, and, I, and I got a lot out of it. And, I, and I'm sure our listeners really got a lot out of this episode. So that wraps wraps up another episode of Success Fundamentals. We will see you all next week. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.